0: If you were to remove all the supply and demand fundamentals for gold and look at the oil price since the 1940s until 2018 and you take the gold price, well, by gosh, the the trends look pretty similar.
1: Trilogy Metals is a world-class developer in Alaska's Ambler Mining District. The company already possesses 8 billion pounds of high-grade copper, 3 billion pounds of zinc, over 1 million gold equivalent ounces, and over 77 million pounds of cobalt. Trilogy's Arctic project boasts an after-tax net present value of $1.4 billion, with a 33% internal rate of return. Trilogy is led by an experienced management team with proven success in discovering and developing projects in Alaska. The company is well-capitalized, has no debt, and possesses strong institutional support. Trilogy trades in New York and Toronto under the ticker TMQ. To learn more, go to TrilogyMetals.com. That's TrilogyMetals.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bill Powers, and this is Mining Stock Education. If you want to engage the show, you can always reach me at Bill at education.com and hey if you haven't checked out our website make sure you go to miningstockeducation.com if you're an avid junior resource investor like me uh, you get the daily press releases every hour Uh, my site auto posts all the major press releases from all the mining companies so you can find that at miningstockeducation.com on our homepage also under the press release section on our website well joining me today is one of the most popular online independent researchers when it comes to uh, precious metal investing, analyzing the major miners and the oil industry. I'm speaking about Steve St. Angelo. He is the proprietor of SRSRoccoReport.com. It's his first time on my show, but I've uh, read his reports for probably a decade, listened to numerous of his interviews. So I asked him to come on to engage the Mining Stock Education audience. With that being said, Steve, welcome
0: to the show. Bill, it's great to be here. A lot of interesting things happen in the market. So I think we've got plenty to talk about there's no shortage of things to talk about
1: absolutely and what I appreciate about your analysis Steve is that you don't simply regurgitate what other people are saying and repackage it to your audience but you come off come out with very generative unique uh, analyses of what's going on share with our listeners as we kick off this conversation what are the inputs and assumptions that go into the formula which produces your analysis of what's going on let's say in the gold markets
0: well you know bill i first started looking at the precious metals i was interested in precious metals so a lot of people would say well i'm a precious metal guy and then i started reading about energy because i understood energy was a very important dynamic and then they say, well you're an energy guy well i'm neither of those i'm an analyst and i tried to get to you've got to get to the bottom you've got to get to the root the root cause and to get to the root cause Of What's happening in this world you have to focus on the energy because without energy if you don't have gasoline in your car You don't get to work if you don't have electricity you turn the switch on the lights don't come on the manufacturing plant can't produce Its products and then all this stuff has to be transported all over the world So if you don't focus on energy most analysts are missing the most important factor. So what I look at is energy production for like the gold mining industry, as well as all industries. I look at uh, oil production, the cost of oil, and also what is known as the energy return on investment. And this is one of the most important dynamics. And it was keyed by researcher Charles Hall. Now he gets the credit for that. He's been researching the energy return on investment uh, for decades. But I picked up on that, followed with that, because I believe the energy return investment or known as EROI is the underlying calculation of everything. If we don't get enough energy, we we starve to death. So it's the EROI is for small organisms, for animals, for humans, for companies, companies as well, or corporations, as well as empires. They all are based upon the energy return on investment. So that is the key area to focus on, to understand how things are going to change in the future. So when
1: you analyze where the price of gold is headed, you're looking at the price of oil, the energy return on investments that the major miners are spending to pull the gold and process it, to bring it to market. You're also looking at macroeconomic uh, factors as well. Is that right?
0: Well, that's true. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's supply and demand. Well, that's true. Supply and demand uh, are they they impact the price of things. But I do believe they only impact the price of goods, commodities, stocks uh, above or below their cost of production trend line. And if you if you were to remove all the supply and demand fundamentals for gold and look at the oil price since the 1940s until 2018, and you take the gold price, well, by gosh, the, the trends look pretty similar. And when oil went from $1.80 a barrel in 1970 to 36 in 1980, the gold price went from $40 to 612. These are average prices now in 1980. So uh, gold wasn't in a bubble. It was doing exactly what it was supposed to do. And that was protect people from inflation in, in gold as money. And we saw the same thing recently when oil went from 20 in 1999 up to 100 plus in 2011, it brought the gold price up. But now same with silver. The thing is different. It's not just the oil price. And I see going forward in conclusion here that while the oil price has been one of the leading drivers in the gold and silver price, we're going to see a disconnect moving forward. And that's due to the peaking of unconventional and conventional oil production. That will then change the dynamics. Oil would probably consist. the oil price will go will fall. But the gold and silver prices or values will increase at that time. So that's how I see it playing out in the future.
1: So the EROI with oil is bullish in your analysis for gold. But what will be the impact on society in general if this thesis plays out?
0: Well, according to Charles Hall, the the, uh, energy return on investment that we need from oil To sustain a modern, high-tech society such as ours is 12 to 1 energy return on investment. Now, in the 1930s, we were producing oil at about 100 to 1. That means the U.S. oil industry was producing oil, 100 barrels of oil for the energy cost of one by 1970, it fell to 30 to one. And the estimates I've seen shale is about five to one or less. And then if you get to uh, corn ethanol, which the U S produces over a million barrels a day, that comes in at a lousy 1.2 energy return on investment. So you see shale isn't paying that minimum requirement bill of 12 to one energy return on investment. So that's why there's over 300 billion, according to some analysts, of debt now that has been put on these shale companies' balance sheets. Shale is just not profitable. And so I, I do think going forward, we're going to start seeing a, once shale peaks, I believe we're going to see peak in global oil production because the last thing in the last 10 years since the financial crisis, 75% of total global oil production growth came from shale. And that hasn't been profitable. So I do believe we're going to see a collapse in the future in U.S. shale oil production. And that's going to impact the overall economy, U.S. and global economies.
1: How do you see nuclear power fitting into this thesis? Because I I can, as I'm listening to you speak, I can just hear some people arguing, well, you're not acknowledging the dense power supply that is nuclear and possibly vanadium redux batteries that have a large capacity to house a lot of electricity. And maybe even the mining uh, industry would adapt and have electric uh, vehicles as part of what they would use if oil is no longer affordable. What would your response be to a person with these thoughts?
0: Well, that's a subject for a whole article or a whole um, interview. The thing is, here's the issue. These uh, nuclear has too low of an energy return on investment. When you when you consider the full production, or let's say construction of a nuclear power plant, then the ongoing maintenance and then when you have to decommission, and then what do you do with all the nuclear spent fuel? And we still don't know what to do with all this very uh, damaging uh, spent fuel. And there's most of it is still sitting at these nuclear power plants. So the full cycle energy return on investment of a nuclear power plant, and we have to remember, you need oil, natural gas, and coal to have as, as the power source to actually build a nuclear power plant and to mine the uranium or thorium, if people think thorium is gonna be a new energy source. And this also moves into electric vehicles and solar and wind. And unfortunately, when you look at these alternatives or renewables, really they're only fossil fuel derivatives. And if we add more uh, solar to the grid and we add more wind to the grid, this is very damaging because these uh, stop The wind stops forming or the wind uh, energy stops generating electricity when the wind dies. And then when the sun goes down, solar stops generating. And then you've got to bring on this natural gas generating supplemental energy to balance it off. And so the more solar and wind you add to the grid, the more destructive and volatile the grid becomes. So it's I do believe technology is not the answer because technology, believe it or not, Bill, lowers the overall energy return on investment in the system. It doesn't increase it, and that's the big problem.
1: This episode of Mining Stock Education is brought to you by U.S. Gold Corp. U.S. Gold Corp is a U.S.-focused gold exploration and development company advancing high-potential projects in Wyoming and Nevada. U.S. Gold Corp has consolidated a district on Nevada's productive Cortez trend and is advancing the Copper King project towards production in Wyoming, led by a team of prolific company builders and renowned explorers, including Dave Mathewson, who's directly responsible for several major Nevada gold discoveries. U.S. Gold Corp is well-financed and has an extremely tight, share structure with less than 20 million shares outstanding, and it trades on a major stock exchange, the NASDAQ, under the ticker USAU. To learn more, go to usgoldcorp.gold. That's usgoldcorp.gold. So with this thesis, are you essentially saying that society will not continue to advance the way it has technologically? Is that the conclusion?
0: There's this idea, and you hear it all the time with family and friends and associates, Wow! Look at this technology. Look, can you imagine what we've done in the last hundred years? What what's going to happen in the next ten or twenty? So, I hear it all the time, but the problem is no one's looking at the energy, and the energy is blinking. It's a it's a blinking red light, and so there's this assumption in the world that's taken for granted that we're going to head towards uh, the Jetsons lifestyle, flying cars, and you know uh, replicators that make food. You don't, and so no one works really anymore. And then the, the underlying impact is what's the energy. And it's not only the falling energy return on investment that's impacting the, the, the entire global oil industry. There's also the thermodynamics, which means each year the, the net energy in a barrel of oil continues to decline, which is why we're seeing interest rates fall and we're seeing rising debt. All of that is a symptom of the falling energy return on investment and the thermodynamics of oil depletion. And so unfortunately, yes, I I, I do believe that notion of heading to a Jetson's world will be popped sooner than later.
1: Let's talk specifically about the mining industry now. You cover in a lot of your articles uh, the major miners. What are the key trends that you look for and why do you focus on these trends within the major miners?
0: Well, I look at the um, oil production and cost. Uh, we, we've been able to have rising gold production, uh, because we've had rising oil production. So if you take a chart, uh, of oil supply and, and then you can just superimpose gold production, silver production, copper, or lead, they all, they all go up exponential. And then the other thing I look at is ore grades and ore grades in the gold mining industry, the top gold mining industry have fallen 20% in the last 15 years. So what does that mean? That means the gold mining industry now has to process, mine and process 20% more gold or more ore to produce the same amount of gold. So if oil prices remain the same, which maybe they have in the last 15 years, 10, 15 years, uh, then the problem is the ore grades continue to fall and will continue to fall even though there's some anomalies like Kirkland Gold which has a high grade uh, excellent gold company but th- that's that's not the norm and so i look i look at the ore grades i look at uh, oil production and even even though we may see once we see a peak and decline of oil production i do believe the gold mining industry will continue to uh, Uh, continue to produce a lot of gold other than the base metal mining industry, which will be hurt more because the gold mining industry is actually producing uh, a metal that is a store of value where, where the other base metals are more for the economy. And if you have a Falling economy, falling global GDP, then you don't need the base metals as much as you need the the monetary metals.
1: Rick Rule says the cure for low prices is low prices. And what you've articulated here in the gold mining industry is that the price of gold uh, will have to go up to compensate for these trends you're seeing. Uh, Relating this back to our EROI discussion, is a rising price of cost of living, commodities, can any of that be the fix, so to speak, to this uh, low return on EROI that we're talking about?
0: No, because the, the issue is uh, the, in, the thermo, in the thermodynamics of oil depletion, if you look at a chart, uh, when they started producing oil in the, in, in the 1860s, 1870s, and they ramped it up considerably in the 1900s, every year, on average, uh, it takes more energy. To produce the oil, and then there's less energy in each barrel that makes it to the market, and so uh, global GDP cannot be uh, cannot cannot continue to increase. And so you say, well, if the if oil price or if the oil production falls, there's less oil supply. That means the d- demand would be there, and then according to typical economic analysis, well, the price should go up. But people don't realize the money comes from the oil. That's where it's from the energy. And if the energy value is continuing to fall, the net energy in that barrel falls, it's not worth it. We have to think of oil today like a 10, 15-year-old car. It, the value of that car, all the embedded energy in all the parts are, worn, are wearing down. So it's not worth a brand-new car. It's worth – you know, $8,000 or $5,000. Why would you pay brand new a brand new price for an old car? This is the same thing we have to think about oil. The, the, price, it's, the price is not going to go up because there's less of it. Actually, the price is going to fall. And this is one of the things you, you have to you wrap your mind around. But again, it, it's the dynamic that we can talk about this. When oil production falls, 99% of the assets, which are real estate, stocks, and bonds, they're in trouble because they're based upon net present value, as well as most stocks are, and that's earnings in the future. Well, if earnings in the future are going to fall because oil production is falling, GDP is falling, then what's going to happen to the value of those three assets? Hence, why gold and silver are the, the higher quality assets to own in this transitionary economic uh, time that we're heading into.
1: One thing we can't predict is a new source of energy. With this thesis, could you potentially see a new source of energy being the solution to what we're talking about?
0: There's always a chance, right? If if I'm open-minded and I try to be open-minded in my analysis, there's always a new energy source. It's not technology now. You see, there's this idea that technology will solve our problems. Let me just tell you, a hunter-gatherer When they hunt and gathered food, they did it at a 10 to one energy return on investment for every calorie of energy that hunter gatherer expanded. They gathered and hunted 10 calories of food. Now a simple farmer using his hand tools, Simple agricultural, it's five to one energy return on investment. Then if you throw a horse or a oxen, it lowers it to like one, one and a half to one energy return on investment. And now let's fast forward to today. We've got these uh, huge tractor combines. They're using satellites so they could go up and down these rows in perfectly straight lines. They have they, they look so efficient. Well, if these farmers, to get one calorie of corn on your dinner plate... They, exp- 10 calories of energy are expended, so it's a huge net energy loser of 10, 1 to 10. So technology hasn't fixed it, it's made it worse, and the only reason why that has worked, our food supply system, is because of the high energy return on investment of oil that we've had over the past 100 years, but that's changing. So if we did get a new energy source, um, I'm, all, I'm, I'm very happy for that, but... You have to remember a whole system is based on oil.
1: Yeah, Steve, I was taught that one gallon of diesel does the equivalent of 12 hours of work of 12 men. Is, is that statement not true? Because I had that in my head for years.
0: Yes. And, and I think that people don't understand. You see, we take it for granted. Uh, there's thousands of energy. I call them energy slaves in a barrel of oil. And so when you've got this huge Caterpillar 797F uh, haul truck going down and picking up 400 tons of ore and then moving it back up to the uh, ore area and dumping it off, it, the amount – it gets, I think, 0. 0.3 miles per gallon, 0. 0.3 miles per gallon. And so the amount of energy that these these trucks move now, that they have to consume, if humans had to do that, you need – tens of thousands of them and so you see this is the issue back in the for, for over for millennium especially over the last hundred years ago we were uh, ma- mankind and as well as human energy using horses we were extracting gold with high veins and so it was easy to extract that gold with not that much energy now that's mostly gone so we had to move to these very low grade mines you could only do that with very high energy sources like oil and so i think this is the pickle we're in and we we don't have a plan b and i don't i've seen a lot of these energy uh, silver bullets but it's all kind of technology it's not really an energy source and so when you when you get down to the basics they don't really solve the problem.
1: Let's talk about the precious metals price. You recently did a video of your analysis of where silver could be headed. Uh, This was more based on technical analysis, but please provide an overview of where you see silver going.
0: Well, you know, years ago, Bill, I didn't spend much time on technical analysis. I I looked more at the fundamentals. But if I look at a 40-year chart of silver, by gosh, um, there was a $14 Uh, resistance level going all the way back to 1983. And silver was below that $14 level for two decades. And once it jumped above that in 2006, 7 it went to 21 rather quickly. And so if you look at these levels, the the technical levels give us an idea when breakouts are going to occur or when we see the price fall. Uh, when it goes below our support level. So there is some method to the madness to the technical analysis. And I do believe silver broke out of its, uh, Silver broke out of its 50-month moving average for the first time in six years. And according to traders and hedge funds and institutions, that's kind of a big deal. And so moving forward, I think silver needs to break above the 1625 level, 1630 level, and then it'll move to 1850 rather quickly, which is the next resistance. But for me, for silver to be in a new bull market, according to the traders, those who do paper trading, it has to get above 2150. Once silver is above twenty-one fifty, I would say then the price on a technical level is in a new bull market.
1: You wrote you said uh 1620, but I believe you meant to say 1720. Yes,
0: I'm so sorry. Yes. Uh, my, my brain does that. I have numbers. <laughs> I have got so many numbers in my head. No, I appreciate you correcting. That's 1720,
1: 25 And how does your um what you analyze with oil and EROI, how does that impact your what you see as the future price of silver?
0: Uh, it, silver, just like gold, went up in the 1970s because of oil. Uh, I mean, uh, the silver mining cost increased tremendously. I mean, Homestake Mining, they were producing gold at $42 an ounce in 1970. They were actually losing money, and Homestake was the largest gold mine in the U.S. at the time. Well, by 1979, that's when I had the data for their annual report, Their production cost uh, increased six times. It was like $246 an ounce. So there was no, it wasn't a coincidence that the gold price had to go up if the mining cost was going up. Well, this was the same for silver. And right now, silver, if we look at its long-term chart, there's this lower trend line that continues to go up that it hasn't breached yet. And it's at $15. Well, guess what? The cost now to produce silver on average for the mining industry, the primary mining industry, is $15. And for gold, it's about $1,150, $1,200 an ounce, full costs. Not all in sustaining, but full costs. And so when you look at that, that means silver now is at this minimum area where everything else seems to be inflated. So going forward, when we consider that if when oil production falls, it's going to put a lot of pressure on most of the assets that people are invested in stocks bonds and real estate so all we would need to see is a one percent movement of investors realizing there's a lot of trouble with these assets to move into the precious metals to see their values move up and i have to conclude by saying there's about the same amount of silver investment in the world as gold if you add up all the gold investment held in public government and private hands it's about two and a half billion ounces. It's about $2.6 for silver. So if investors not only want to get into paper, but they start getting into the physical, which I see in the future, there is just not that much silver to go around. So silver is probably going to outperform gold on a percentage basis when we see this transition away from building wealth, which you can do as oil production goes up, to protecting wealth as oil production peaks and declines.
1: Excellent. You've been listening to Steve St. Angelo, the proprietor and analyst at Report.com. You can find more of Steve's writings there. He's also on YouTube at SRS Rocco. You can find his uh, presentation. Usually it's about a 15-minute video that he does with charts explaining to you um, his current thoughts on the markets, whether it be uh, oil or the precious metals. If you'd like to engage me again, you can reach me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. Dot com. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, engage us in the comments below. What do you think about what Steve shared today and the energy return on investment? Be a lady or gentleman about it, please. But uh, I am interested in your yeah. thoughts. What do you think about what Steve shared today? So, Steve, I appreciate you as a first-time guest on Mining Stock Education. As I said, I've uh, followed your work for about a decade. Uh, thanks for joining me today.
0: It's been a pleasure, Bill. Thank you.
1: Oren Resources is a junior exploration company with the appetite of a major. Focused on finding the next globally significant discovery to create enormous potential upside for shareholders, it's one of the most aggressive exploration companies pursuing high-grade, scalable gold and copper deposits and has a premier seven-project portfolio including its two flagships, Committee Bay in the Arctic and Sombrero in Peru. With Oren's unparalleled technical team and highly experienced management with a history of success in advancing and monetizing exploration assets, Oren has been called one of the best in the junior exploration sector. Orrin trades on the TSX and NYSE under the ticker AUG. To learn more, go to OrinResources.com. That's A-U-R-Y-N resources.com. Thank you for listening to this Mining Stock Education podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded investors. Visit us on the web at miningstockeducation.com for more resources on precious metals and natural resource investing. At our website, you can also sign up for our free newsletter for interview transcripts, stock picks, and more.